12, and last week we talked about the resurrection. Daniel in chapter 12, beginning with verse number 2, said that in that many are going to that are sleeping are going to be raised up from the dust. That means that your body that goes to the ground goes back to the ground that it was created from. And it eventually becomes the dust that uh, sometimes you take your feather duster and, and you, you know, brush off whatever's on the furniture. That may be someone's dead body. And one day the Lord's going to raise up that body that is now dust. For the Bible makes it very clear that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now I would like to add a footnote here. The uh, seven-day Adventists, along with a few other people, believe that that's where you sleep. You sleep in the dust. Your body and your soul are both asleep in the grave. If you are incarcerated uh, in the ground, well, that's where you sleep. But if you're incinerated in the furnace, well, you sleep with the ashes. But the Word of God makes it very clear that your body may be turned to ashes and your body may go to the ground and be turned to dust, but your soul flies away because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die and after death the judgment. And so the body doesn't stand before God and is judged at that time, but the soul is. And then the soul is, after it's judged, is cast into a place called the jailhouse. We call that hell. That's where the rich man landed. After his body was buried, he was in hell. And uh, Lazarus, that poor beggar, he was carried off by the angels, by the way. They came and they actually carried him away into Abraham's bosom. Well, that <clears throat> was done in the lower parts of the earth. Now, when we die in this age, because Jesus Christ went down into the lower parts of the earth and he led those that were captive in paradise, he led them out of paradise into heaven. So we're like the Apostle Paul. When we die, we are absent from the body, but we are present with the Lord. He's not down in paradise. He's in heaven. He's with his Father, so that's where you're going to be. Now, we could show you a bunch of scripture on that, but that would be chasing a rabbit. And so the Bible makes it very clear that there's going to be a resurrection. Verse number 3, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Now, what that means is there's certain stars and uh, planets out there that shine brighter than other stars and planets. So the firmament is in reference to the heavens above and, and, the, and, and those stars and those bright lights that you see at night. And uh, the wise are going to be given greater glory than those that are saved but weren't so wise in serving the Lord. The Bible tells us about the wise here in verse number 3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So 
when we're out there so winning and we're living for the Lord and we're reaching others for Christ by the, the influences that we have with our walk with the Lord, with our endeavor to reach others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, with our endeavor to get people in church and get them under the sound of the gospel and they go forward and they trust Christ. Well, God keeps perfect record of that. When you stand before the Lord, He's going to reward you with a glory that's going to be greater than someone that just sat there in the pew and never told anyone about the Lord. And so that is the interpretation of that passage, if you would like to know. And then at the end of the chapter, we have in verse number 13, when all of this will take place for the Old Testament saints, and we would also include the tribulation saints. But he says, go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Now, we said last week the word lot there is in reference to, well, it's in reference to a particular time or area. We get the understanding of lots. You take five acres of land, you divide it up into one acre lots, and then you have five lots. Well, there are various lots for the resurrection. The uh, first lot is going to be a mystery. It's a mystery because it's, it, it comes without the knowledge of the Old Testament. It comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and His resurrection. The Bible talks about the resurrection, the resurrection of the just, the resurrection of the unjust. The resurrection of the just take place at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes to set up his kingdom here on earth. The resurrection of the unjust is the resurrection of the dead or the resurrection of uh, those that are in a place called the lake of fire, not the lake of fire, but called hell, or we could just call it the, the place of the dead. Dead does not always mean dead. Death does not always mean death. It means a place that is separated from God, and they'll be separated from God from all of eternity. We get better clarity of that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where we read about the resurrection. The entire chapter is just dedicated to the resurrection through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel has been preached in every age. It was preached in the Old Testament. It's preached in the New Testament. It will be preached during the tribulation period. And the word of God makes it very clear <clears throat> that those that are saved by the gospel will be raised up to go into the kingdom. And those that are not saved will not go into the kingdom. They'll remain in the grave until after the millennial reign of Christ. And they'll be raised up at the great white throne judgment. Now those that are raised up to go into the kingdom come in two phases. They're seven years apart. The first phase is the rapture of the church. That's the mystery. The second phase is all the Old Testament saints that were saved and all of the tribulation saints that were saved. We don't have time to get into all the scripture, but believe me, it's there in the Bible. We see it there in 
Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 40, Revelation chapter 20. But we get a better, a, a greater understanding of it from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 23 through 26, where we are told concerning the resurrection, every man in his own order or in his own lot, Christ, the first fruits, that would be Christ and the church. We are the first fruits. And then afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. That would be when he comes to earth to reign. And then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. That's when... Uh, he has brought an end to Gentile reign. The times of the Gentiles will be no more. They'll not be reigning. Christ will be reigning. They'll be brought under his foot. And so we are told in verse number 25, For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. And so a thousand years of reigning and putting his enemy under his feet, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And that's not talking about the annihilation of people. That's talking about the judgment of the death in a place called the lake of fire. We, give, we are given a much more detailed summary of that in Revelation chapter 20. If you read Revelation 20 very carefully, verse number 4 through 6 talks about the resurrection of those that go in through the millennium. They are blessed, but the ones that take part in the last resurrection, which is the resurrection of death, they're not blessed. They all go into the lake of fire. Their names are not written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, many of them have uh, the number of the beast in their forehead or in their hand. None of those are certainly going to make it. And all of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I heard a preacher today talk about how Christians could end up in the lake of fire by having their names blotted out. And he said uh, Christians that tamper with the Word of God can have their names blotted out. So you can lose your salvation Excuse me, Revelation chapter 22, if you read those last two verses, 18 and 19, it says their part will be blotted out, not their names. In other words, there's a place where their names could have been written, but it'll be blotted out. It doesn't say that the saved who tamper with the word of God, their names will be blotted out. It does not say that. Sometimes I want to scream at the radio at these guys. <laughs> All right, you're misquoting scripture there. And he went as far as to say those <clears throat> that, uh, that are plucked from his hands are those that choose to be plucked from his hands. It says, no man is able to pluck them from my hand. Evidently, those that choose to be plucked from his hand are not considered to be men. Because it says no man. You know, these guys that do not believe in eternal salvation do not believe what the Bible says. And they, they, they say, well, they, they teach you can go out and, and steal and lie and 
shack up with whoever and live like the devil. And he said, live like hell and, and go to heaven. Now, if you live like hell, you're going to go to hell. That's why he said it. Well, if you live that way, you're not saved. You see, if you're genuinely saved, God's going to give you repentance. He's going to give you the grace, that, which is the power and the desire to live for Him. Yes, there may be times that you'll stumble, but you're going to get up again. If you don't get up, He'll chasten you till you do get up. If you're one of His and you refuse to get up, He may just take you home early. But you're not going to get scot free. You're not going to get by scot free. God chastens His children. No, just I get all it, it upsets me. Anyway, I feel like I need to get on the radio so I can set these guys straight. But anyway, maybe one of these days we will be able to do that. So we have here what is called the mystery. And it's in reference to the church. We have three mentions of the mystery in regards to the church. First of all, we have the mystery concerning the rapture of the church. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So the church is going to be raptured out before the Lord comes to raise up the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. The church which is to usher in uh, the gospel age will be taken out once the gospel age has come to its fruition and God is now ready to begin the gospel of the kingdom age. And that was given to Israel to do. And so God has taken Israel out of that program and he has grafted us into the program. We preach the coming of the kingdom age. We preach the gospel through this age to bring people into the kingdom age. Does that make sense? But once we get to the point to where we come to the fullness of the times of the Gentiles, the church will be raptured out. And according to Romans chapter 11, if you begin reading at verse number 11 down to verse number 29, you're going to see that the church is not to be boastful because they're going to be taken out and Israel will once, be, once again be grafted into the program. God is going to do that by fulfilling His promise and His covenant with them that goes back to Jeremiah 31. Beginning with verse number 31, for which Jesus Christ established and is the fulfillment of that covenant as we read over in Hebrews chapter 8. We talked about that last week. So we have the mystery of the church being taken out. We are told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 6, And now you know what withholdeth. We said that the word withholdeth means to restrain or to hold back. The word letteth also means the same. So now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. That is the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he, that is the Holy Spirit who now letteth or restrains, will let until he be taken out of the way. 
Well, when the Holy Spirit goes out, we go out with him. Now, some will argue and say, well, are you saying the Holy Spirit will no longer be omnipresent during the tribulation period? No, the Holy Spirit will be here, but he will be working in a different way or a different ministry. The ministry of the Holy Spirit right now is working through the hearts and the lives of the believers. Once the Holy Spirit is taken out, yes, the Spirit of God will be working, but the Holy Spirit is taken out so the church can go out because our souls are right now sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has to take us out to where he wants to take us. The Holy Spirit is our vehicle that's going to get us to heaven. And when he gets us there, we're going to go through what is called a metamorphosis where this old body is going to be all of a sudden changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye as we see at the rapture of the church. So then we see the third mystery, Israel grafted back in once the church is taken out, Romans chapter 11, verse number 25. Now, The Bible makes it very clear this all happens in the fullness of the times or the fullness of the Gentiles become in. If you take a look over at Luke's gospel, chapter 21 and verse number 24, and you compare Romans chapter 11, verse number 25 with Luke chapter 21, verse number 24, you're going to be told the same thing, that Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, what does that mean? We're told in verse number 25 that until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, we're told in Luke 21, verse number 24, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, it takes you all the way back. If you'll read your Bible over there in Daniel chapter 2, you'll remember that Daniel records Nebuchadnezzar having a dream of an image. And that image had a golden head and had silver shoulders and body and a brass uh, uh, chest and belly, and then the legs were made of iron, and as you got down to the feet, they were iron mixed with clay. The feet were the iron mixed with clay, and when you get down to the ten toes, uh, they are mixed with the seed of men. And then there's a rock that's hewn out of heaven, and it comes down and it hits the image, and the whole thing crumbles. Well, you have monarchies at the head. You have a monarchy uh, that is dealing with the one empire, which we would know be that of the Medes and the Persians. They were monarchs where, where one man was leading over an entire country. And that particular country was leading over the world. Babylon, the Babylonians were led by one leader, Nebuchadnezzar. And then we get to the Medes and the Persians, and we have Darius and Cyrus. And then when we get down to the Grecian Empire, it starts off with one leader by the name of Alexander the Great. When we get to the Roman Empire, we have, the, we have uh, well, we have uh, all the various leaders of Rome. You had Nero's one, 
and many, many more. And so they called those leaders Caesars, but they were one world leaders. But when you get down to the ten toes, you no longer have a monarch, but you have a democracy and republic, and you have many leaders. And so you have the ten toes. These are men mixed with, the, with this great image, and all of a sudden it's going to come down. That's why when we get down to the ten toes, we're told about how the Antichrist will rise up out of those ten toes. And they will surrender. Three of those major countries will surrender their sovereignty and their authority and their power over to this one leader. He's called the Little Horn. He's the Antichrist. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to destroy him. And he is led by the dragon, the devil. He has a prophet. And he's a man also. Those two men, when Jesus Christ comes, the Antichrist and his prophet will be cast alive into the lake of fire. The dragon, the devil, will be chained up and cast into a bottomless pit. And he'll remain there for a thousand years and turn loose at the end. And then eventually he'll be cast into the lake of fire. And so that entire image gives us the full scope of what is going to happen, beginning with the Babylonian Empire all the way down to where we get to the book of Revelation. It is the time of the Gentiles. We're living right now at the point of the ten toes. There are some out there that don't think that we're that close, but I think that we're so close the rock is just about ready to come down and smash the image. Remember in Daniel chapter 2, verse number 44 through 45, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Now those kings are in reference to the toes, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever, for as much as thou hast sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it break in pieces the iron and the brass and the clay and the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure." In other words, what we read over in Daniel chapter 2, it's going to happen. God revealed it unto King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was not threatened by it. Later, he became, I believe, saved as we see in Daniel chapter 4. And he gave glory and praise unto the God of the Jews, the God of Daniel. Now we come to the conclusion of our study, the signs of the time of the end. Notice in Daniel's Daniel's gospel or Daniel chapter 12, verse number 4 through 11. You have your notes. If not, you may want to turn there in your Bible. Daniel 4, Daniel chapter 12, verse number 4 through 11. But thou, Daniel, shut up the words... 
and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on the side of the bank of the river, the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river. And when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, that's one year, remember, times two years and a half time, that would be six months, or 1260 days. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not, then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and the sacrifices shall be taken away, or the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifices shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Now notice in Daniel chapter 2, or Daniel chapter 12, verse number 2 through 4, it seems to parallel somewhat with Revelation 22, verse number 10 through 11. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 10 and 11, it says this, And say unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now there seems to be uh, some similarities there, but there is one major difference. Notice in Daniel 12, verse number 4, the angel declares... Daniel shut up the words and sealed the book even to the time of the end. But when we get to the time of the end, Revelation 22 and verse number 10, the angel declares to John, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. I believe the time is at hand. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe there's a proliferation of knowledge concerning the understanding of the book of Revelation unlike there has never been in any other generation of the church age. We have greater knowledge, greater understanding than we've ever had before. And God has given us many signs. Now, 
if you go on down and look at verse number 12 of Revelation chapter 22, he continues on after he says, let him be holy still. He continues on to make it very clear, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his works. So, if God has opened up the vision and given us an understanding, we are then living in an age where things are going to very rapidly start fulfilling. When Israel suddenly was given some sovereignty in 1948, in 70 years from the time that they became a tiny little nation allowed to fly their flag, the Star of David, with their capital in Tel Aviv 70 years later, now their capital is in Jerusalem, and they have enough nuclear weapons to wipe out the world. And they have smart technology. Every bit as smart as what China has. And China right now has uh, have missiles that can travel five times faster than the speed of sound right now. You can be sure that if China has it, Israel has it. They're very smart people. And God has given them ways of protecting themselves. But somehow they're going to be convinced to put their trust in the Antichrist. And according to what we read over in Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, they will take down their walls of defense. And they will become an unwalled people. And the Antichrist will move in, and when he moves in, God tells Israel, you better run for your lives. So we're given some signs. Notice the first sign, many shall run to and fro. We're living in a day and time where we have rapid communication, we have rapid travel. We've talked about this before. In Revelation chapter 11, verse number 9 and 10, we're going to have two witnesses that will do all kinds of miracles, and the Antichrist will hate them because uh, they're getting the gospel message out and people are getting saved. 144,000 Jews are preaching the gospel. And he's going to do everything that he can to stop all of that. And once he takes power, then all of these 144,000 Jews plus all the other Jews that are now saved because God has put his laws in their heart and now they understand who Christ is, they're going to run for their life and God's going to put them in a special hiding place for three and a half years. But for the first three and a half years, they're going to have full reign in preaching the gospel. The 144,000 and the two witnesses. And for the first three and a half years, men like Moses and Elijah will be doing miracles and preaching the gospel. And there'll be a great explosion of evangelism. We are told in Revelation chapter 7, the number of people that will be saved out of every nation, kindred, and tongue will be a multitude that cannot be numbered. And when they were asked, well, where did you get saved? Where are you people from? And they will say, we are those that have washed our robes by the blood of the Lamb out of great tribulation. 
And so these are those that will be saved as a result of the revival that God brings to this planet through his people Israel. And two of these Jews, being the spirit of Moses and Elijah, they'll have power to bring fire down from heaven and bring all kinds of miracles, will finally succumb to the Antichrist and they will be put to death. And their dead bodies will lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days and the whole world will be watching and at the same time the whole world will be sending gifts. Now that could not happen in that day. It could not happen a hundred years ago. It would take months just to get the message over there. It would take months for them to get the message over here and around the world that these men were dead. But today, it's all instantaneously. Everything is running to and fro. You turn on the television set, and you're watching something live. Maybe a two or three second delay, but yet you're almost hearing it live as they speak all the way around the world. They'll be sending gifts, and those gifts will travel all the way around the world to each other in a very short period of time within 24 hours. We have that ability. Now we have the ability to get on a jet airliner and fly around the world in just a matter of a few hours. China has the ability of sending missiles over here in a matter of three or four hours. They could bomb just about any part of our country. So we're living in a day and time of rapid travel. Knowledge has increased in a rapid way. We're told in verse number 4 that knowledge shall be increased. We understand that in these last days, knowledge has increased in an unusual way. Let me read to you something this comes from the Buckminster Fuller Foundation that has created the knowledge concerning our created what they call the knowledge for doubling the curve. And they have report, reported that in the 1900s, in the, at the beginning of the 1900s, human knowledge had doubled approximately every century. By the end of World War II, knowledge had doubled every 25 years. Today, they say, there are not simply as different types of knowledge. There are many types of knowledge, different rates of knowledge, different rates of growth. They are saying that we are living in a nanotechnological world in which knowledge is doubling every two years Clinical knowledge is doubling every eight months. The average, average human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. And according to IBM, knowledge that is built through the Internet is now doubling knowledge at the point of every 12 hours. There is amazing technology that is going on right now through the Internet. We have smart Internet. We have our smart computers that now can think for themselves with incredible knowledge. 
all the knowledge that we have from physicists and scientists and, and you name it, medical technology is all being poured into these computers that are now able to think for themselves and create new knowledge. And IBM is estimating that this knowledge can double every 12 hours. When we get to Revelation chapter 13, the knowledge is so rapidly created that we are living in a day and time of great wonders to where an image can, or a beast, a live person can be put to death and then raised back up again. The Antichrist will receive a deadly wound and be raised up and an image will be made like him. And those images will be planted all over the world and those images will look just like the Antichrist and call upon everyone to receive a number. We have technology that has de developed and has become so wondrous that now you can receive a chip, a tiny little chip. You can put it on a card. Eventually you can put it in your, in your hand or on your forehead or in your forehead and you'll be able to buy or sell or make any kind of transactions anywhere in the world. We have such knowledge today that we can take and encrypt messages and put them on a little tiny piece of metal that is so little and so small that it passes through a needle, injected in the back of an animal, and that animal can be traced wherever it's been lost and found with all the information that's coded on that little chip to where we'll know exactly when that animal received its vaccine, who the owner of that animal is, with all the information about that animal and the phone number and the name and the address, all passed through a little needle and put in the back of that animal. And yet, <clears throat> that knowledge continues to increase. And uh, we have people today that think, well, preacher, you know, that's, you're just going too far out if you believe that a vaccine could have some kind of a tracer in it to where they can find you wherever you go and have some information about you. Don't doubt it. The knowledge is there. The knowledge is amazing as what they can do. And so with all of these things, Israel, the Bible, Israel, things have developed so quickly. Just think about Israel. They've been in their land for 80 years. My wife and I, we traveled from Nazareth all the way down to Tel Aviv. And as we were traveling up there in the area there that they refer to us in the Bible as part of Lebanon, there, those forests, the woods, the trees, at one time, they weren't there. It was all barren. When the, when the Arabs took control over it, they completely desecrated the whole area, and it was left a desert. I don't know how many millions of trees that the Jewish people planted once they begin to take possession of the land in 1948, but that's now all forced, and that's all grown in. And they have done some amazing things to their land. And they've built some amazing cities. The place has grown amazingly. 
The Bible makes it very clear that, that everything that has happened in Israel has happened rapidly and it's happened for a reason. And we're living in a day and time where now we find it very rapidly Israel is coming to the place to where now they're hated of just about every nation. Their new prime minister just recently last week said there may come a time where we as a people will stand alone against the world. And so they're going to have to leave about as rap much more rapidly than what they were as a nation when they were able 100,000 uh, 100, to one outnumbered and yet in 1948 they were able to take a little portion of their land. All of these things are coming at us very rapidly. We're living in a day and time of rapid lawlessness. We've never seen the lawlessness that we see today in this world. The Bible makes it very clear in Daniel chapter 12, verse number 10. Many shall be purified, made white, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. They don't understand. They've been brainwashed by academia. They've been brainwashed by the public schools and teaching that, that uh, their sexuality, regardless of whatever they have between their legs when they were born, they can change it any way they want. I don't mean to be crude, but this is the world we're living in. We're living in a very wicked and very ungodly world. Uh, children are being taught that they don't have to honor the parents, they don't have to obey the parents, that the parents do not believe in the agenda that the schools are teaching them. Young people are out there protesting. They're spitting in the face of police officers. They're going into our stores and looting our stores all across the country. They're busting out store windows. They're taking whatever they want every day. We turn on the news. There are violence. On my way this afternoon, on my way over here to the church, there were two police officers in Palm Avenue that pulled up in front of me, in front of someone's house on Palm Avenue, stopped their cars, opened their doors, and pulled out a gun and was pointing at a house. Like an idiot, I just drove right around them and wondered, well, why they got their guns pulled? But this is the world we're living in. Wickedness is coming at us very rapidly. And there is going to be a great rebellion. We need to understand we're living in unusual days. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1 through 4, and I'm almost done. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall wax, or pardon me, for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And this is the world we're living in. Well, let me just say in closing so we can end on a good note. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 7, the Bible says... <clears throat> It'll all end in three and a half years once we get into Daniel's 70th week. The first three and a half years won't be as bad as the last three and a half years. The last three and a half years is the time of the abomination of desolation. Israel will once again have their temple. 
Some believe, and it's something to think about, that the temple will be built in the first three and a half years and dedicated on that three and a half year mark when they're right in the middle of the tribulation period when they dedicate their temple and the priest is ready to go in there and do all the dedication within the Holy of Holies. And rather than the high priest going in there, the Antichrist will go in there. And that's when the abomination of desolation begins. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds logical that they it would take three and a half years. Some believe that they're already cutting out their stones. They want to build it the way Solomon built it. They don't want to build it on site. They want to build it off site. They're hewing, them, hewing out the stones out of the same rock quarries that Solomon built them. They're going to carry them there. And they want to build it quietly and set each stone upon each stone and do that. And it took Solomon seven years in the building. They believe that it'll take them three and a half years. And once it's finished, that's when the Antichrist goes in there at that day of dedication and commits the abomination that brings desolation to Israel. Israel will flee. We are told that from the time he goes into the temple and commits the sin of abomination by declaring himself to be God and calling upon the world as, uh, to worship him and calling upon the world to believe that he is God and he acts as though he is God. There will be 1,260 days according to what we see in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 27. But then we are told again that there are 1,290 days as we read in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 12. And then we are told again that there are 1,200 or 1,395, or excuse me, 1,335 days in Daniel chapter 12, verse number 13. Now, what the difference is, is the 1,260 days is the, takes you to the end of the tribulation period. That's when Christ comes. If... Uh, you believe in what is called post-tribulation rapture, you know exactly when you're going to be raptured out. When the Antichrist goes into the temple and declares himself to be God, 1260 days after that, you would be raptured out. But that's not the way it happens. 1260 days after the Antichrist goes in, Jesus Christ comes down. Now, we have... 1,290 days, so 30 days after Jesus Christ comes down, we have the judgment of the nations. Revelation, or not Revelation, Matthew 25. I'm trying to hurry so I get you out of here in one minute. And so the nations are brought before the Lord. All the nations that are alive at the coming of Jesus Christ that were not killed in the battle of Armageddon. And those that did not receive the mark of the beast in their forehead or in their hand will be allowed to go into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ even though they're not saved if they did not receive the mark and if they treated 
the Jews and those that were saved with kindness by doing nothing more than giving them a drink of water or doing nothing more than visiting them while they were in prison. They will be allowed to go into the millennium in their mortal bodies. Now, <clears throat> the 1,335 days, that would mean 75 days after Christ comes. That's when he raises up the Old Testament saints. That's when Daniel is raised up in his lot. And that's when all of the Old Testament saints and tribulation saints all of a sudden come up out of the ground in their glorified bodies. Daniel makes that very clear, for he is told to stand in his lot at the end of those days. And then, uh, of course, the church is already there in our glorified bodies. Now, let me just say this in closing. I'm almost done. Think of it. It's a different world. You have people in mortal bodies, and you have people raised up in glorified bodies, and then you have the church that is coming down with the Lord that's able to ascend into heaven and descend upon the earth that are reigning as kings and priests. So it's going to be a much different world. There will be no more problems with sin. The devil will be cast into the bottomless pit. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast alive into the lake of fire. And those immortal bodies that do not obey the Lord Jesus Christ will be instantly judged and taken out. And so they'll know how to submit and surrender. The Bible makes it very clear that when all of this happens, God is going to change this old world to where there'll be no more thorns, there'll be no more thistles. Uh, the ground will be fertile and beautiful as it was during the Garden of Eden. The Bible makes it very clear that wherever Christ reigns, there'll be no, no night because he will light up the entire earth. So those immortal bodies will evidently have to move somewhere else on the earth because he's going to be seven times brighter than the noonday sun. And so it's going to be a different world and it'll go on for a thousand years. And Jesus made it very clear, every day we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you have given us a little bit of a glimpse into the future. We thank you that you have given us the assurance and the hope of your glorious reign here upon the earth. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that and that we would be faithful to live righteous lives. And that we would not be caught up with the wicked in this old world. That we would stand faithful.